Hey everyone, thanks for joining our show today. I just wanted to take a moment and say that I have a special announcement to make. I'm proud to say that our show is now sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Yes, it is. It is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile is a company that shares our values and supports the causes that we care about, such as honoring our veterans, which you know is near and dear to my heart, helping first responders, and defending our constitutional rights. If you need to learn more about Patriot Mobile and their amazing offers, you can visit my website that is with them. It is patriotmobile.com forward slash graceful. Or you can call them. And don't forget to mention this show, Graceful. When you sign up, you'll get a special discount. They'll remove the activation fee from the bill right off the bat. So check us out and remember to put in the code GRACEFUL. Now, let's get it back to today's topic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break with God, the podcast where we take a moment to pause and just connect with God and each other. So in each episode, we'll hear from guests who will share their testimony of who God is in their life. So whether you're at home, at work, or just simply on the go, join us for a coffee break with God and let his presence fill your cup. Hey, welcome to the Graceful Warrior Podcast. And today we are doing the Coffee Break with God, a show that allows all of the guests to come on here and just share their testimony or their calling of what God has called them to be a part of. And so today we have a special guest, Danny, with us. And Danny's from Florida, the great state of Florida, where everybody is like cringing, waiting to be in Florida right now with the weather that she has. And um, Danny also works in the correction department. So her story today is what we're going to listen to on how God has called her to step into this calling and be a blessing to those that also need it. They are not less than us. They have did their, they're doing their time. They have made mistakes. And now here's Danny's version of how God has called her to minister to them. So with, without further ado, please welcome Danny to the show. Hello, Danny. How are you? Good. How have you been doing this week? Oh, Monica, amazing. It's, it's always, it's always a good day. It's always a good week. Right, right. So, so you're living in the great state of Florida where everybody wishes that they could be and the weather that you have over there. I'm sure it's, it's beautiful, palm trees, sunshine, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely <laughs> shining brightly right now. It's not as warm as it typically is, um, but it's, uh-huh. it's still beautiful. Wow. Well, Danny, um, give the our listeners just a little bit of background, like um, maybe where you grew up, how you got saved, and how did you dis- decide to step into the correction department? So, you know, I've always, um, I, I grew up in, in faith life. So, um, you know, I was baptized as a young, as, a, as an infant, and I grew up in the Catholic Church. And um, so, the faith world was not anything new to me, mm-hmm. but I, I did have a situation um, in in 2008 that 
really, um, it really actually had me look at faith from an entirely different perspective than I had previously. Mm-hmm. Um, initially in my faith life, I was often kind of praying to like um, deceased family members. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know, I didn't have a really strong relationship with God. I didn't really even connect Jesus with God at that time. Um, yeah. And so this, this experience happened, um, in 2008 and it was one of my rock bottom moments for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was basically contemplating taking my life. Oh man. And it was just one of those those moments in time where I just felt like I was living out entirely outside of my character and I had lost everything of who I was and I didn't even know myself anymore. And, you know, I could I can't even tell you a time frame of what what was going on. All I know is that I was crying on the bedroom floor and I was praying to those deceased family members that I knew to, to pray to. Uh-huh. And I was sifting through family members that were, lo- you know, living that I could reach out to, to potentially save me. And I just felt nothingness. I just felt, right. um, you know, I actually felt really peaceful about the plan that I had to end my life. And I finally, in a kind of a last resort situation, I was like, you know what? All right, God, here I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening right now but I'm, I'm going to turn to you. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there in silence. Like I said, I can't tell you if it was two minutes. I can't tell you if it was two hours. I really mm-hmm. can't recollect the time that happened. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is even though I felt incredibly defeated, I felt dead inside. I felt like I was just this lost and broken soul. I decided that I was going to live that day. Mm -hmm. And it was one thing that kept me, that kept me from not following through on the plan that I had. And that was Jesus speaking to me. And that was God speaking to me. And I basically, he said in not so many words is basically like, you're going to get up from this. Wow. And I knew at that moment that I was going to get up as hard and painful as that was, I was going to get up and, and I was going to make it happen and I was going to figure it out, but I was going to do life differently. I was going to do life with, with God, with Mm -hmm. him entirely by, by my side and not trying to do it, um, sporadically with him in my life. You know, I would often kind of intermittently go to him, but I decided after that moment that I was going to, to have him be a more intricate part of my life. Yeah, and it's so it's so weird, you know, the stories of how we can allow ourselves. I mean, and I say we as far as mankind, we can allow ourselves to hit rock bottom before we can actually look up and say, wait a minute, I've tried this, this and this and none of this is working. And the fact that we ultimately have to go, but you God, you know, and it really does put the the power into the scripture where it says every knee will bow, you know, when we really ultimately have to return back to the one who created us and say, okay, 
I need your help, you know, and right. it, it, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. And I think the most important thing that I want listeners to know is that I walked into that space of praying to God that day with mustard seed faith. Mm-hmm. I did not, Yes, I did not show up that day with having, you know, bold faith. I did not show up you know, having this really, this intimate relationship with God, I can't even argue that I had virtually any relationship with God at that point. Mm-hmm. And yet he, he saved me with that mustard seed faith that I showed up with. And I think that's a really important thing for, for listeners to know and for Christians mm-hmm. and believers to realize is that, that you don't have to show up with bold faith for him to move mountains and to, mm-hmm. to create miracles in your life and, and to, really shift your life in a way that is transformational. Yes. Yes. And it, and it's, it's so cool to the fact of in that, that moment of despair that we, we all mankind all come to that, that is that greatest moment of testimony that we could say, we know that Jesus is alive. We know that there is a God because that piece of actual knowing that God called you and said, get up or whoever, you know, whatever testimonies out there that, that people know going, Oh, I know God's alive because of this this one moment, you know, that mm-hmm. they, they actually, that is, the, that is the biggest small piece in a testimony, if that makes sense, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And I've used that moving forward with everything, you know, in my life, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to mm-hmm. get up and go, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, that's just kind of how I live my life now. I'm going to uh-huh. get up and make it happen with Jesus there, with God there, right there within me, it, it just seems, it just seems, um, everything's just seems possible uh-huh. just to get up and, and go make it happen. Right. So what, what were the changes that you started incorporating? What gave you that energy and drive to get up? Yeah. You know what? At that time I, I have, I can't answer. I don't have, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really just, I think, knowing what I know now about faith life and my mm-hmm. relationship with God now, I really think it was the Holy Spirit really just like driving me to to, to move forward mm-hmm. um, because I just kept getting this message of, you know, get up and move forward. You got this kind of that, mm-hmm. you know, that that uh, that was resonating in my spirit. But again, I didn't have that deep connection with God that I have now. And so. Now it's easy for me to say, like, I feel like it was that it was the Holy Spirit guiding me at the time, but I wouldn't have been able to say that at the time. Um, But what I did find is that because of this experience, I made active choices to include God in so many different areas of my life, Mm -hmm. including the correctional system that I Mm -hmm. that I that I got into working into. Um, I started working in corrections in 2000. Oh, let's see, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working in state corrections and then I transitioned over to federal corrections in 2011. Uh-huh. And what I noticed as I was becoming deep, deeper connected to God and Jesus in my life was that he started showing up in therapy sessions <laughs> without even me realizing what was happening. 
Uh Um, And I can share one where it was the first time I I noticed him show up Uh where it was entirely unexpected. But I think the fact that I was so open to it was what allowed it to happen was that I had this, I was working at um, the women's camp at the time. And I had a woman who I'd been working with for a while, uh, about Uh a year. And she came into my office crying and you know, she sat down, she was crying. She was kind of all over the place. And, you know, there was something in me that said, I can't, I can't just give her, I can't respond in the same way I always respond to her. Okay. And so I kind of sat back and I simply asked, I simply asked Jesus what she needed. Mm -hmm. That's all in my mind. I just sat back in my mind, silently to myself, asking, what does she need right now? And Galatians 5 popped into my head almost immediately. And so I was like, all right, so I'm going to go with it. So (laughs) I simply asked her, I said, does Galatians 5 mean anything to you? And she just stopped. Like she stopped crying immediately. She, cause she had her head down and, mm-hmm. and she just stopped, looked up and just was just started staring at me. And just with this gaze of what just happened. And she said, how, where did you come up with that? And I mm-hmm. said, I just, it was something that popped in my head. And she goes, that is the scripture that I always turn to when I'm struggling. Oh, wow. And it was in that moment where I was just. I was incredibly humbled and taken back by the fact that God just used me in that, in that moment to show this woman, this, this woman who was in an obvious pain that he was there for her. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing that I could have said that day that could have been any more impactful than what, what Jesus did in that, in that space. Right. The very beginning of being used right there. And then just the shock and awe and the person is just, yeah. You know, that had to be such a great feeling to know that here you had that moment with the Lord. And now it's like, now I'm going to use you again. And boom. And you understood the voice of the Lord to go with it. Yes. And I just, you know, it was scary, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. I did. I, I prayed about it. So why not throw it out there? And right. I did. And what I, I mean, that was the first time I noticed him work in my, in my professional life and in that way. Mm-hmm. And, but over time, what I noticed is that if I was open to it, that he was showing up in so many other, so many other sessions that I was having, mm-hmm. especially for, for inmates who openly spoke about their Christian, their Christian walk. Right. Um, where they would, you know, they would meet with me because they had a session or they would request a session. So we would meet and I didn't even know that they had, they were on a Christian walk and I would say something and they, they said, those were the exact words I needed to hear today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I came to see you. Like, I have no idea why I submitted this request, but it was exactly what I needed to hear today. And I'll throw, you know, and, and as soon as inmates start to speak about their faith life and God in their life, um, that's kind of my cue where I know that I can start speaking more of what God, 
wants me to in their life. And what I've noticed over time in doing so, I've seen these, these mini miracles happen in my sessions across time where it means, you know, we'll say that's exactly what I needed to hear or, or that's something that like God speaks to me about all the time, you know, without me even really knowing that. And so it's been a beautiful, um, it's been a beautiful journey of really seeing how God has, has used me in the correctional system. Um, you know, obviously I have limitations in there of what I can do, um, because, you know, I'm not a chaplain there. Um, you know, I'm a psychologist there, but it's still truly amazing how, um, how God is using me and I'm still able to, to do my job. Now, you know, I think what a lot of people that are not incarcerated would think, and I know I have even been guilty of thinking this. And so maybe you can kind of explain this to our listeners is that oftentimes, you know, when people get incarcerated, um, they have that freedom of, yes, going to church or chapel, you know, in there, getting their hands on, on a Bible and stuff. But how do you know uh, that they have truly given their life over to the Lord, you know, or is it just a, a front so that they could get good time and get, you know, dismissed early? You know, so many times you hear that it's like, oh, I got saved in prison. Two years later, they're back in for something. You know, what are you recognizing that inmates are truly changing in the system? Yeah, um, I'm a huge proponent of active behavioral changes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm that person who will look at whether your words are matching your actions. Right. And, you know, because I go there every Monday through Friday, so I can see, you know, and I talk to staff there. I talk to who's in the housing units. I talk to other inmates. So I know whether they are speaking what they are, what they are, how they are acting. Right. Right. So that's a really clear way of, of really distinguishing those that just are kind of talking the Mm -hmm. talk of how they perhaps want to live, but they haven't quite gotten there yet Mm -hmm. versus those individuals who have really embraced this change because you are actually seeing active behavioral change on a daily basis. Um, you know, I had one inmate who would come to me with their daily bread, you know, whenever he would, he would come see me, he'd be like, this is the daily bread of the day, you know, and he would, he would go over that with me. And, you know, I would see how he interacts with other inmates on, on the compound. I would see how he interacts at his job. I would see, um, just the other activities he was giving, getting involved with. He, Mm -hmm. he actually created a program within the, within the prison system to help other inmates excel. You know, he, he created a self-development program and this is a drug dealer who used to take advantage of people all the time, you know? And so he, he, he definitely created um, active choices in his life that said, okay, I'm not waiting until I get out of prison to show anybody that I'm, that I'm doing things differently. I'm going to do them differently now. And it's very, it's very easy to see which ones do things differently um, in the prison system. So it's, for me, at least it's, it's very easy to distinguish those that are kind of just the talkers um, Mm -hmm. 
and those that that are actively making changes in their life, okay. creating business plans, actively like I can listen to their phone calls, I can I can read their emails. So I see wow. how they're interacting with their yeah. family, you know, and you see changes and shifts as to how how much more compassionate they are um, mm-hmm. in their discussions, in in their interactions, in their relationships with their kids. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of that's a way that I view. Um, the distinction of, of whether they're actually wow. moving into space in a, in a, in observable, you know? Wow. Yeah. Cause see, that's just like totally new when you, you have um, a doorway into every aspect of their life and could see that you're just like, wow, to see for us as that have never been incarcerated, that just going, okay, well they go see the psychologist all the time, but they could, put on a front to get, get out early, but to know that the fact that the psychologist gets knee deep into all aspect of their life, you know, you're just like, wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty big. Now, are you yeah. working like, um, it, within the prison system, are you working with inmates that do not have life sentences or are you working all the way up to people that have life sentences? Well, yep. Oh, I wow. Have, I have inmates who, you know, they have short sentences, maybe three to five years. And then I have inmates that work all the way up to lifers that, uh-huh. yeah, they, at this point, they, they don't believe they're getting out. Wow. What has been your, I know you shared about the, the one story, but what has been the biggest challenge um, inmate that ended up turning into the biggest, wow, you know, this, this person really changed? Yeah, and I actually um, spoke about this one. Um, I did a, a short video on TikTok, um, doing mm-hmm. time transformations that I do mm-hmm. on TikTok. And this is a, a woman who came to me um, so sad. She uh-huh. came to me um, wanting to change, but had no idea what change to look like, had no idea what what she needed to do. But mm-hmm. I could see that like twinkle of drive in her. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I, I mean, I knew it was going to be a challenge because she was a hardcore drug addict. She didn't know how to read. Um, she, she dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I saw that glimmer of drive in her and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that glimmer of drive. Mm-hmm. And she struggled. She struggled, um, especially with the drug use. Um, she continued to relapse while we were working together. And when I say relapse, um, I can't even say relapse. She, she continued to, to, um, slip. There's a difference okay. between a slip and a relapse. So right. yes. just, you use once and then you try to get back on track. A relapse mm-hmm. is when you use and you spiral, you know, into yes. that. Going back into the addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she had more slips than mm-hmm. anything because she was that person that she would use and be like, you know, Dr. Albertino, oh my gosh, like this happened. Mm-hmm. How, what do I need to do differently? And so we worked for probably, gosh, probably a year and a half, several years, probably mm-hmm. two years working with her. And I, I met with her she was, I believe, 28 years old. She had been in the system for about three years at that mm-hmm. point. So her story is a sad one. Her mom injected her with heroin at the age of five. Oh, no. Yeah. 
and it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was something that her mom did um, a few times uh-huh. in her life and in her young life. And her mom had boyfriends that would come in and out of the home and um, they would molest her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, <clears throat> it was a really unfortunate situation that she was in. You know, between her mom being a drug drug addict, having all these men come in and abuse her, um, she finally decided that she was going to run away. Mm -hmm. And I think it was she was 15 or 16 when she 16 when she decided to run away from home. Unfortunately, she got wrapped up into prostitution Mm -hmm. to, you know, support herself and getting up in that to manage that. She started, you know, actively getting into hardcore drugs. So meth and heroin were basically her, her hardcore drugs. And so she came into the prison system as a heroin addict and, and as a drug dealer. And um, so, you know, to break all of that was going to be, was going to take a minute and it was going to, right. you know, be a, a challenge for sure. Well, what I will tell you is she left that prison. She left that prison. She got her GED. Oh, wow. She learned how to read. Yes, she did. (laughs) She was sober for two years, for two straight years before leaving prison. Wow. And she walked out with a level of confidence. Like she walked into my office, head down, zero confidence, shoulders, Uh you know. Uh And she, I remember our last session where I was like, girl, you got this. Like, you're going to go show the world that you're, you're, you're going to do things differently. And she just like her, her head held high, her shoulders back. Like she, that drive, that little twinkle of drive that she had in her was mm-hmm. now shining, like permeating from, mm-hmm. her, from her very, you know, from her very being. Uh-huh. And that was probably, she's probably one of my most memorable, I will say, wow. um, in the, in what, the 17 years that I've been working in the correctional system. Yeah, she is definitely one of the most memorable as as those transformations that I see. Uh Now, do you still keep in contact with them as you, once they leave the system, do you ever say, Hey, this is a a health and welfare type check. You know, I'm, I'm checking in on you. How are you doing? You know, we cannot contact them. Um, Mm -hmm. They are welcome to contact our, my office or like the psychology department's office. Mm -hmm. Um, Hello, I'm Lou Engel with Jenny Donnelly. We're involved in one of the great stories we believe in prayer and standing that can shift America. We're standing right here where the Supreme Court is at last year, Roe v. Wade fell. We believe it was a sign that God is not done. God can still turn a nation back to God. It was in 2014 that literally we were in a gathering praying about something that would take place in D.C. And a woman shared her story and it erupted into a prophetic explosion. And that was, there is coming a million women. They're going to go to the mall in D.C. And they will pray like Jeremiah 9, weeping for their children. And they will save their nation. And it will be the last stand for America. If it's a last stand, we need to take this soberly. Then in 2017, witches rose up to curse President Trump. I'm not talking about the man. You've got to ask the question, why would witches curse President Trump? I believe God gave this man to America 
not because of his character, but because he would stand and give us three judges that would end Roe v. Wade. I wonder what that meant to the spirit realm. I went up to the mountains in Estes Park to seek God. What do you want me to do about this? Do you want me to do anything? And I had a dream. And in this dream, as far as I could see, women were coming from everywhere, teenagers, young, old, and they were coming to hear the book of Esther taught. It seemed like I was watching a revival. I was the only man there, which now I know I was holding an old Bible. It was a calling of Mordecai to call this Esther revival, this Esther movement, a thousands and thousands that would come to D.C. They would take a stand. And in the dream, a woman stood up and she says, and these two words in the book of Esther actually mean Nazgul. I exploded out of the dream, instantly knowing what it meant because I watched the third part of the Lord of the Rings where the Nazgul witch king was destroying the armies of men and the king's daughter takes off her helmet, lets her hair down and says, I am no man. I am convinced, the Lord says, I am going to raise up a million women and Esther movement with thousands and millions of Mordecais who will call forth their women for such a time as this to save a nation. We are in the days of Esther and I was sovereignly brought together in a divine connection with Jenny Donnelly who had her same word about a million women gathering to pray and change a nation. I am glad to be with an Esther today and I'm glad to be standing as a Mordecai to call this massive gathering in October 2024 on the Mall in D.C. Well, it was right before you and I were divinely connected that my daughter Esther, in 2022, she was 14 years old, and she had this incredible dream, and she told me about it. She said, Mom, polar bears, koala bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, panda bears were coming from all over the globe meeting in America. And she stood in amazement and said, Mom, I saw these mama bears and their cubs. It was amazing. And the Lord said, pay attention. My Esther just had a dream. I asked God what this meant. And he simply said, I'm raising up mama bears from all over the world to gather in one place in America to raise up and protect her cubs. Our young are under attack. I believe that God wants women from many nations, all nations, to pray, to fast, and to stand for the saving of their children, for the saving of our nation. Laws are being proposed in some states right now that would legalize kidnapping of minors who have parents who do not affirm the desire they have to change their gender. Your neighborhood schools are most likely full right now of pornographic books disguised as innocent learning. There's never been a more urgent need than now for mama bears to rise up. And so we're believing for a million Esthers to stand on this mall together with their Mordecais, their sons and their daughters, to cry out to God, save our children, save our children. We believe on the Day of Atonement, October 12th, we're believing for that day that this nation will come together and plead the blood of Jesus, that God, it would be applied to the doorposts of our families and our national guilt, and God may give us a new day for revival and reformation. It's time for such a time as this. Can a nation be saved in a day? Yes, on the Day of Atonement. You know, to to give us kind of a a check in and let us know uh-huh. how they are doing, um, but we cannot reach out to them. So oh, I wow. don't. Unfortunately, I don't know how things went with her in the community. I'm really hoping they went well, but I have right. not heard from her. Um, but I do have another inmate who he had done 19 years in prison, mm-hmm. and he was in my inmate companion program, which is a suicide prevention program that I teach at the prison. Okay. And 
Um, he was in that program with me for, I want to say, eight years. And I teach him all different resources for suicide prevention, for mental health, so that they can be equipped to watch in other inmates as observers on Suicide Watch. Right. So he was in my program for over eight years. <clears throat> he got out. Zero halfway house. They didn't give him any halfway house, unfortunately. But he called, he called my office about 90 days later and he said, Hey doc, I'm just doing, I'm just telling you how I'm doing after 90 days. I was like, that's awesome. How, how's life? And he got a job doing grant proposals for the VA. What? <laughs> suicide prevention. So he was doing grant proposals for suicide prevention with the VA. Wow. And I was just like, so, so, so excited for him. Like, I couldn't even, I couldn't be more excited to hear. And that was just after 90 days of being out. A guy that was in, incarcerated for 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. And in 90 days, he was doing grant proposals for the VA for suicide prevention, for their suicide prevention program. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is crazy. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have this kind of preconceived idea of what, you know, of what it what inmates are and individuals who are incarcerated. But I will tell you the majority of those guys in there, women in there, they are good individuals that made really poor decisions in their life. True, true. And are there some that have no desire to change and just won't keep doing what they do? Yes, there are them. There are those individuals that that just want to keep kind of keep that that pattern going of of criminal thinking and criminal lifestyle. But those that don't and those that recognize that they've simply made poor choices, bad decisions, those are the ones where um, I am I am so eager and willing to work with because I can see that I can see that um, that piece of transformation within them. And I'm there to just kind of pull it out as 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 much as possible so that they can make better choices in their life. Because there's so much talent, there's so much in, there's so much intelligence, there's so much talent, there's so many gifted individuals within the incarcerated system that um, it, you'd be amazed. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed at the talent in there. It's really uncovering. It's going, okay, you're not this heap of junk. Let's um, pull the veil off and go, but look who you are. Look at all of this of who you can become and encouraging yeah. them to look this way, you know, and to follow yeah. after, you know, good things that help the community and stuff like that. So that yeah. is really amazing. You know, what, um, tell us something that you do during like your off time. What is, what are things that you do? What is the Lord yeah. doing in your life as well? Oh my goodness. So many things. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I am so deeply humbled all the time when I think about how God has worked in my life. And so a few years back, um, he put it on my heart to write a book. Mm-hmm. And when he initially put it on my heart, I was like, oh, you're funny. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, that's, you got, I mean, not to say you're ever wrong, mm-hmm. but I think, I think you might, you might. <laughs> I think you got the wrong person. <laughs> oh, some other, somebody else, maybe, you know, and I'm just, I, I was so stubborn and just so like, just in my head about, yeah, that's not me. I'm, I don't, I don't know. Wrong person. <laughs> and he just kept, just kind of kept knocking super uh-huh. gently, just knocking on the door of, Hey, this is, this is what I want. This is what I want for you. 
Right. And it probably took me two years to really embrace this idea of writing a book because all throughout my high school years, all throughout my even college years in my graduate program, I have been told that I am not a good writer. And so, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, it is not, is not one of my gifts. Okay. Uh -huh. I will say, <laughs> so I was like, okay, God, like you want me to write this book, but number one, I don't even have anything to say. Like, what do I even have to say? That's worthwhile. Uh -huh. And number two, you've seen my writing. So what on earth are you calling me to do this for? So when I stopped resisting and I started allowing God to actually work in my brain and work in my mind, what I started realizing was this, was that I started talking to people about how I was feeling like God's slowest sheep. And when I say that, I was feeling like I was so far behind in my faith life compared to everyone else mm -hmm. and that I just wasn't getting it right. And I couldn't navigate it. I, it was just so messy and I just couldn't understand it. And I just felt, felt so far behind. I felt lost. I felt like I was that, you know, one sheep totally lost in the wilderness, not never getting it right. And in sharing that with people, people were like, well, that's me too. Like, I, I feel that too. I feel like I'm like the slowest sheep too. And I was like, really? Like, I'm not the only one that feels that. <laughs> and it, and it, it started to, to click in my head that this is what I need to be writing about. This is what I need to put. This is the message that God wants me to put out there. And mm -hmm. so I'm actually working on publishing the book this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is yes we're speaking it into existence speaking it into existence you know under your glory god you know this book is going to be published so uh -huh. um yeah so it's it's called god's slowest sheep and it's basically one girl's depiction of raw real depiction of navigating the messiness of faith life and coming out of it joyful, encouraged, empowered, and just, you know, finding, finding peace and joy through all of it. And mm -hmm. I want, I want other women to experience it as well and recognize that it's not about, it's not even about getting it right. It's, and it's not even about figuring everything out because God already has everything figured out. Right. So exactly. Exactly. Right. So you know, it's not even about any of that. It's it's just coming together and recognizing that your, your purpose is your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with God. That is your purpose and everything else will fall into place once you settle your mind and you settle your heart in that space. Everything mm -hmm. else falls into place. And Amen. that's basically what this book is about. Um and what I love about the Lord and all of this is that he sent laborers along the way to help me do exactly what I needed to do. Um, you know, he sent this amazing woman, Shelly, into my life and she's my editor and she is like, she couldn't be a better person to edit this book. And, you know, I randomly found her on Facebook and wow. we have just since just, we are like sisters in Christ. She's so amazing. And, you know, what I've learned over time is that God, 
you know, we might not feel equipped, but God will equip us. God exactly. will create. Yeah, God will create a way when we don't think there is one. And that's exactly what he's done with this book is he's created a way where I didn't see one. Yeah, you really made me go back to um I remember even speaking to my husband about how God used David, who was just a, a shepherd boy who had nothing, but he ended up bringing him into the king of Israel. So he equipped him with everything he needed and became king of Israel. And then God even making a promise with him in that covenant that still is going on today, you know. And you're just like, wow, to really talk about equipping. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. You know, and as soon as I think I'm like, okay, God, we're good. Like, I'm writing this book. We're good. As soon as I think he's like kind of done, like doing things (laughs) in me, then he brings another thing in. And if there's time, I'll share another another small way that God, I mean, small but significant, I think, Uh is in doing the 75 hard challenge with a friend of mine, Brian, Uh um, we decided to do this challenge together and we, we didn't really talk about faith life together before Uh we did this challenge, but in doing the challenge, we just started talking about Jesus and about, um, about halfway through this challenge. Um, I had this thought in my head that, you know what, it would be awesome to get baptized again as, as kind of a commemoration of completing this challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I like, it came to me at like one thirty in the morning by the Holy spirit. And I woke up and I'm like, Ooh, this sounds like something I need to do. And so I contacted Brian later that day. And he was like, I think that's amazing. Let's do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. So <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's totally do it. So I was like, Oh my gosh let's do it. So on May 5th, 2023, when we completed our 75 hard challenge, we got baptized together, you know, just reignited our love for Jesus. And the day, but the day before that happened, I had a thought in my head again, that came through the Holy spirit. And I said to Brian, I said, Hey, what if we created a faith-based program that kind of resembled kind of this, like an endurance, a spiritual endurance challenge. And he's like, I love that idea. And so um, this coming Easter, we Uh are launching Forward Faith 212. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Like during our 75 hard challenge, we said that one of the things that we struggled with the most, the two of us, was spreading the word, was right. spreading the gospel. And we felt that it was such a void in our lives. And we're just like, I, I don't know how to genuinely do that for me. And he was he was struggling with the same thing. And so this program, Forward Faith 212, is our way. It's this cutting edge spiritual endurance challenge that kind of it, 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 it's targeting those individuals that are kind of rough around the edges. They feel like outcasts, but we want them to know that they fit in and that this program, this, this forward faith to 12 challenge is our way of spreading the gospel. It's our way wow. of saying, this is how you can actually live your life fully with Jesus in it. 
and in a way that is bold, confident, fearless, courageous. And it's an awesome way of living out the gospels, living out Jesus in our everyday lives. That's amazing. Now, is this going to be something that is strictly local for you and your, you know, people that want to join it? Or is this going to be something online? Yep. So eventually it is going to be something that is available online. We haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now we're just, we're just streamlining it locally, but Mm -hmm. Brian and I have talked and we would like to, um, we would like to build it into something that is online that can be shared with the world. Um, So we are working on piece by piece. We're working on making that happen. Wow. Talk about a calling. (laughs) Like, you know, for, you know, for even like for our listeners, when Danny and I first started talking about this and she started unfolding all these things, she opened up with her book about the slow sheep. And then after hearing all of this, I was like, this is no slow sheep. This is like put into gear, skip first through third, go to fourth and it's zoom, you know. <laughs> and so it has been amazing to hear your story, Danny and and um, I want to have you uh, back on when you release your book and when this whole thing gets released about your your little program with Brian yeah. and um, to hear about how it's going, um, maybe what you're needing. Maybe our listeners can help support you in that. And um, and then just talk about what what is next for the slow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We put that in quotations too, you know? I know. Well, you know, the best thing about living with the Lord is that you begin to look forward to those unknowns of life, right? Right, right. You you actually look at those unknowns with eager anticipation. And so now I'm just, I'm so excited to see what God wants to do next um, yes. with Forward Faith 212, with God's Lowest Sheep book, with, you know, my ministry with No Hope Coaching, with, you know, myself in the correctional system, you know, I'm always open to allowing God to do what it, his glory is, what his plan is. And I'm just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's never a dull moment with the Lord. We do have those quiet moments, but when God goes, um, tap, tap on the shoulder and it's your turn to be used. And it's like, are you ready? Put on the roller skates, grab the skateboard, surfboard, whatever it is, and let's rock and roll, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so Danny, do you have like um like a website or anything that people could check you out and maybe go, hey, I would like to to follow this gal and her ministry or Yes, thank you so much for asking. Um, I just started a women's empowerment coaching business called No Hope Coaching, which is K-N-O-W, Hope mm-hmm. Coaching. Okay. And it's basically for helping women who are wanting to break free from self-sabotaging behaviors, you know, that are wow. holding them back from all the godly potential and the godly dreams that, that you know, is in store for them. So right. um, I would love for you to visit my website. It is www.nohopecoaching.com. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Danny, for your story. And I hope that, you know, many, many women, um, we will post this website in our description and everything. And hopefully, it's, you know, even for me doing this podcast, you know, you run into so many women that 
they had to get through those times of feeling like there was no hope, you know, and to have believers come alongside them and the great commission to go out there and to help them realize of, no, it's not, there is no hope. There is hope in Jesus, you know, and to reach out to him. And sometimes we wonder why our life was the way we look back at what our life was. And a lot of times it's because now that we can look back at that saved, we can go, I understand why I walked through that because over here, now I understand you as a young woman that doesn't live for the Lord to go, I understand. And I know completely and get up and rise up young woman and let's do this together. And I think that that is amazing. So Danny, thank you for your story. And um, we look forward to, to just reaching out to everybody out there with this story. So thank you so very much. And thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure and such a blessing that you're doing this for, for all your listeners. I know you're, you're working in God's glory. So thank you for doing everything that you do as well. Thank you. We look forward to even having you back this year when your book is released and when your programs are released. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thanks for joining us on Coffee Break with God, a podcast for anyone who wants to grow in their faith and discover the amazing ways that God works in our lives. I hope you enjoyed our inspiring conversations with our guests from different backgrounds, perspectives, and walks of life. So whether you need a shot of inspiration or a dash of encouragement or even a scoop of reflection, I hope this podcast is your perfect companion for a coffee break with God. Till next time, who's up for a second cup of coffee? everyone. I just want to take a quick minute. I hope that you're enjoying this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and listening to my podcast. Wherever you listen to your favorite, I'm honored to be able to share that time with you. But hey, I wanted to let you know, I have my own webpage on Captivate. And I'm going to leave the link in the description below. But if you were to join me on my page you have some perks that are coming to you what kind of perks you say well if you would subscribe for eight bucks a month i will give you bonus content my extra show that i have and then on top of that you'll get 24 hour early access to all the shows that the public already gets and then i'll even throw in an extra perk if you have your own business you could send me the name of your business and I'll shout it out on this podcast at the cost of eight bucks. It's a deal in itself. I understand that if you don't want to subscribe just yet, hey, just buy me my favorite drink. I have two of them, actually. One is a cold coffee first thing in the morning. I love a caramel macchiato. And my other favorite summertime drink is a lotus banana blueberry chai. Oh, that's my favorite drink. Just hit the tip button and go ahead and leave me a tip and just buy me a drink. All right, with all of that, I just want to say thank you. 
and let's get back to the show. <laughs> 